0: Go ahead and open your Bibles to First John chapter four. 1 John chapter four. We have been in a series on fellowship, biblical fellowship. What is it? You know this word that that many of us, if you've been in church for any length of time, you've heard the word fellowship. There are fellowship halls. You're invited to fellowship with one another. Uh, It's in our name. We're Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship. And so for the last two months or so, we have been asking ourselves, well, what is it? What does the Bible teach about fellowship? Because ultimately, the Bible is our authority. Amen. And so if we're going to be followers, disciples of Jesus, we should be fellowshipping in the way that God wants us to be fellowshipping. Right. Not according to culture, not according to tradition, but according to what the Bible says. And one of the things that, that we have really, uh, I think, has been repeated, a theme through, through the verses uh, that we've looked at and will look at, is that, is that fellowship is rooted in relationship. Okay? And, and if you've been with us, we have been repeatedly looking at these verses in the Bible that say, hey, when you put your faith in Jesus... You're a part of the body of Christ. It's not optional. You're in. You're in. Right? Many of us have been raised or sort of developed this idea, well, I'm going to pick and I'm going to decide if I want to participate, when the truth is, when you are a believer, you're placed into the body of Christ, and the assumption is you are an active participant because you have everything now spiritually in common with your brothers and sisters, We've looked at many of those. You have a common enemy, you have a common pursuit of holiness, you have a you know a common holy spirit, right? So out of this commonality spiritually, we are to fellowship in very practical ways right it's It's a verb, it's an action word. And so what we've been trying to do, uh, one of the things that that my heart has been over the last several weeks is Lord, help us to understand through your word who we are in Christ and our privileges and responsibilities as part of the body of Christ, the large body of Christ, the church. But then when we choose to fellowship, to to commit to a local body, Lord, help me to understand my privileges and responsibilities as part of that local body. Fellowship is simply the outworking of what God calls us to do. Right. That we're all there's this oneness, there's this commonness. And I, I came across something and and many of you may be familiar with this. And I thought, you know, this is. This is a wonderful picture of what 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 really I've been trying and, and, and my heart has been uh, over the last several weeks to get us sort of out of our private, isolated Christian worlds into maybe even the uncomfortableness initially of a broader perspective that I'm part of something bigger. Because again, many of us have this privatized, isolated sort of view of me and Jesus, and I'm everything I do is to help me grow. And fellowship kind of says, No, you're part of something bigger than yourself. And and that just that little bridge is huge for some. Because we like Comfort, And we like convenience. And we like the world to sort of go by our timeline and our time schedule. And if I open myself up to the bigger body of Christ, that could be inconvenient. Because the, the world and crisis and life situations don't always happen according to our calendar. Amen? According to our timeline. And so part of the challenge in, in, in not just understanding fellowship but embracing it biblically is to embrace the truth that it's not just about me or my little world. I am part of something bigger and I need to, to, to submit to that. I need to surrender to that bigger picture of the church. And there's this campaign, this movement that, that's been out there in churches around the country uh, related to Christians who are being persecuted uh, in the Middle East. And specifically, uh, uh, congregations and some pastors around the country are encouraging their their congregants to wear orange as a sign of solidarity with the Christians who are being martyred in the Middle East. You may have seen that picture up on the upper left. those are uh, I believe those might be the Coptic Christians who are beheaded. And this is a church of a, a, a picture of a church uh, back east, I think, in New Jersey. And so there's this movement where some churches are saying, "Hey, let's wear orange because we want to communicate to our brothers and sisters five thousand miles away, around on the other side of the globe, we are with you. We're one. See?" And I thought, "Wow." What what a what a powerful picture, very very contemporary picture of what we've been trying to learn biblically. Thank you, Shiloh. What we've been trying to to understand and grasp biblically is that hey, we are one. There's a oneness. There's a commonness to who we are in Christ. And and truth be known, you know, and this is not just to stir up emotions. This is not to be you know overly dramatic. But if you were a Christian in the Middle East, coming here would be very dangerous. It might cost you something, like the picture on the upper left. Just for coming here, just for being a follower of Jesus. And I thought, what a, what a powerful sort of gets you in the gut, takes it from here to here, and you go, man, those are our brothers in Christ and sisters. It's not just the guys who are being persecuted, the women have it just as horrible. the women believers their persecution' is horrible too and 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 there's this there's this sense in, in, in the comfort of our culture and the comfort of the American church where it's just we, we just get this personal peace and this affluence and 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 you know uh, and so even with the best of intentions and I understand the movement, but you know. We're going to try to connect because we're going to wear orange. And I get that. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's so much deeper than just a movement. Because biblically, we've been seeing for the last two months, we are one. There's a commonness we share. And here's the thing. That congregation in New Jersey was wearing those shirts to identify with their brothers and sisters halfway around the world. What we've been trying to understand and get from here to here over the last two months is it's not commonality with someone 5,000 miles away. It's commonality with someone five feet away. We've been trying to understand that fellowship begins here in the body of Christ with those sitting right around you. So, you might as well turn to that person next to you and say, That means you. Right? That means you. Because sometimes, okay, and, and, and I had a conversation with, with somebody, and, and Bill was a part of that, where they're talking about revival and things like that. And I've been in ministry 20 plus years, and sometimes you see these, these, these sort of movements come through and these, these waves of excitement, and enthusiasm about different movements. And then they sort of just go away. And and we're trying to understand that, that fellowship is not just a movement. It's not just a for a period of time. It's it's who we are 24 7. 365. Let's look at first John four. First John four. Starting verse seven. Kind of summarizes where we've been the last few weeks. It says, Dear friends. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed us his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And we've seen that that this idea of fellowship, and really the root of fellowship is love, comes from our love of God, His love for us. This vertical love covenant relationship we have is ideally just supposed to flow this way, into our love for one another. Right? In fact, the Bible says, hey, how can you say you love God if you hate your brother? You can't. You can't. So this vertical love for God and our covenant relationship with God is supposed to go this way to one another. That's just the way fellowship goes vertical and out this way, right? Turn to John 13, and we're going to see Jesus give a command that's very, very familiar to all of us. And really, first John is a, is a repetition of what Jesus says in John 13. John 13. In John 13, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure from the planet. Sort of begins that transition. First part of 13, Jesus washes their feet. And then in John 13:34, he says this. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Verse 34 again. A new command I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And this morning, we're, we're going we're gonna to just launch into these verses. We're going to be on these, these passage for a few weeks. But here, here's, here's my heartbeat for us this morning. Because when we read that familiar passage, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Question, how has Jesus loved us? Okay, by dying on the cross. So many of us would say, we would read that verse, and we would say, okay, so Jesus says, I'm supposed to love the person next to me, In the same way that he loved me. Let's see, how did Jesus love me? He died, which is sacrifice, right? So then we kind of just play it out and we go, well, okay, so now I'm supposed to sacrifice for one another, right? General train of thought that many of us, myself included, have had regarding these verses. The challenge is, right? Jesus, when he says, look, look at verse 13 again, 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. His priority is on the relationship, not on the doing. It's really important because, because many of us, and this, this is what I really want you to, want to ask you. When you come to the Bible, are you coming to the Bible because it gives you a set of precepts and principles by which you're supposed to live? Or are you coming to the Bible because it is about a relationship with God? Two radically different things. See, if you're coming to the, to the Bible from a precept, principle mindset, then you're going to say, okay, so tell me what do I have to do to love? Just tell me what tell, define sacrifice and I'll just do those things. In the New Covenant, relationship we have with Jesus, He says, hey, come, just follow me. Follow me. And so, if we're to love one another as Jesus loved us, we have to understand it's first and foremost about relationship. It's relational. In fact, turn to John 15. So in John thirteen thirty four, Jesus says, As I have loved you, so you must love one another, right? And we said, most of us think, oh, he died for me. Sacrifice. Well look at John fifteen nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So how did Jesus love us? As the Father. Now, don't miss this. Look, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus is prioritizing relationship here. He's saying, hey, my Father and I have this love relationship. He loves me. I love him. In that same way, I'm loving you. I'm taking my relationship with my Father and how He loves me, and how He loves me is the same way I'm loving you. It's relational. It's relational. It's not just do this, you know, okay, um, Jesus sacrificed. Hmm, how can I sacrifice? I'm not saying that's, that's bad to think in that term. But if you're missing the relational part of it, you're missing the heart. Then, then you just get into doing this again. Oh, pastor's talking about fellowship. He just means we need to do more stuff. No. No, 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 no. Jesus says, as my Father loves me, that's how I love you. And then church, love each other that way. It's all relationship. First, relationship, relationship, relationship. If you're coming to the Bible as precepts and principles and instructions, you're missing the whole relational part of it. And that's why we get so twisted up and so burdened with all this stuff that we're supposed to do. Supposed to do. Case in point. Here's the point. Wes, you know I love you, right, brother? And I know you love your wife, right? Good answer, right? Wes, do you do the things you do for Olivia because it's a bunch of principles and precepts according to the law of Olivia? Or do you do what you do for Olivia, self-sacrificial, out of your relationship of love? Now, I, and I knew that was going to be the case, but but that's not always the case. But that's not always the case. And so the question today, as we're talking about fellowship, right, and, and loving one another, don't just jump to, oh, well, Jesus, how did Jesus love me? He died on the cross. That means I have to die to myself for others. Okay, so there's a, there's a whole list of to-dos. You just missed it. Jesus says, as my Father has loved me, I'm loving you. So just love each other in that same way. It goes all the way back to the Father's love. How many of you would enjoy the freedom to, to just love others? Just the freedom to love. Now, how many of you know that that freedom to love can be twisted into a burden of law? Right? Right? Nah, see, you're already catching, I get it. now you're seeing it. Fellowship is the expression of love that comes from Jesus this way with his father, Jesus this way with us, and ultimately us together. That's the freedom of love. That's why I, I was kind of I've always been hesitant, you know, I know with people say you know the Bible is basic instructions before leaving Earth, right? I get that, but then, this, but then you know what it does, guys? It turns this into a, an instruction manual and a bunch of to-do's. And step one, step two, step three, here's how do you get to heaven, here's how you don't make God mad, here's, if you get God mad, here's how to fix it. You get what I'm saying? And it changes the Bible from its emphasis on relationship to instruction, instruction. Principle, precept, thou shalt, thou shalt not. When Jesus just says, hey, as the Father loves me, I love you. Love each other that way. What do you think would happen if the church literally loved each other that way? We would be asking each other if you need anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? It would be be the the sacrificial love, the desire to give, the desire to serve, the desire to go the extra mile would just be coming forth. And then the world would go, what is up with that? That's why Jesus says, if you love one another, the world will know you're my disciples. Because if we're loving each other as the Father loves Jesus. How many of you think the Father and Jesus are pretty tight? Okay, don't miss this. As the Father loves Jesus, He loves you. Don't take my word for it. Look at John fifteen nine right here. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. I think that might be the challenge. For some reason because of the the fallenness of the world, the hurts maybe we've experienced in relationships, the twisted nature of this word love, betrayal, lies, wounds. This idea that Jesus loves me in the same way his father loves him, we just want to kind of we don't want to receive that. We're resisting to it. And here's the thing when you resist that, then suddenly it becomes much more comfortable to make loving others into a to-do list. Because I don't then I don't have to take the risk of opening my heart. You see? Jesus is saying, hey guys, in this new covenant, in this new covenant, it's about relationship. A lot of us view loving God and loving others through an Old Testament, Old Covenant lens. Well, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do, and I'll do that. And Jesus is like, no, 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 this is the new covenant. In the new covenant, we're in relationship.'" In the New Covenant, I love you like my Father loves me. You're not trying to earn anything. And in the New Covenant, the Holy Spirit lives in you. There's a freedom we need to have. If we're going to love one another, to allow God to love us. And maybe for some here, that's, that's been the challenge. Maybe you feel unlovable. Maybe at the human level you've been hurt and wounded and so you're kind of walled off even to God's love. And so this whole idea of loving others that way is just its too much. It's too much. Or, or we, we, we sort of get into this mindset that, no, it's principles and precepts. That's why I go to Bible study. I, I, went, I, I go to the hell, what the Bible teaches about hell, because I just need to, I need to learn more. Nothing wrong with studying Scripture unless it's for the wrong motive. You can study Scripture with the wrong motive. In fact, look at John 5. Look at John 5. Jesus is talking, Jesus is talking to the, the Pharisees, the religious leaders. Look what he says here. You diligently study John five thirty nine. Sorry, verse thirty nine. You diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These are the scriptures that testify about me. Yet you refuse to come to me, to have life. I do not accept praise from men, but I know you. I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. Here are these religious leaders that are legendary in their study of Scripture. They know it. They've memorized it. They could probably tell you how many words are there and where. They know it inside and out. And Jesus is saying, hey, you're studying it for the wrong reasons. You're missing the whole point. You're missing the whole point. You know, I, I've shared this before, and, and Mike gave me permission to bring these out again. When was this? About a year ago, huh, Mike? About a year ago, Mike and I were talking. And it came up that he had saved every sermon note since we started. And I said, hey, can you bring those in? And so, this is about four years worth, right? About four years. This is four years worth of sermon notes. Think the, the little handouts you get every week we're together. What's the point? Let's just be real. What's the point? That's a lot of paper. That's a lot of paper. And since this has probably gone this much more, right? There's probably this much more. Why? Why do we study Scripture? Why do you come to listen to a sermon? Why do you go Wednesdays? Why do you go to wherever you go? Why do you listen to whoever you're listening to? What is the point? I mean, look at this. This is a man who has been faithful. I mean, I could probably count on one hand the number of times you guys have missed in four and a half years. This is, this is, this is faithfulness. This is faithful attendance. What is the point, though? Jesus says, hey, you study the scriptures diligently, but you missed it. It all points to Jesus. It all points to Jesus. It's relationship. It's relationship. And then he calls them out at the end of John four five forty two. He says, "You don't even love God. You study the scriptures. You go to Awanas. You know the Bible verses. You've been in da 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 Christian school. Yada yada. You don't even love God. What's the point?" How many of you have ever asked yourself that question? It's okay to ask it. Lord, what is the point? To fill in blanks? To check it off the list? Because you have to? Because it's academic? And I've been there. I've been through those seasons. I want to know everything. I study cults, then I study end times. I get in those seasons of academic. Da, 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 da. And then I get into the seasons of serving. Da, 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 da. I'm like, after a while, you just burn yourself out, and you're like, "What was the point of that? Why was I, I was so into it?" And Jesus says, "You study so diligently, but you miss it. In fact, he's, he's specific. You miss me. You miss me. And this morning, you know, as, as God just put on my heart." If we're going to fellowship with God, if we're going to fellowship with one another, here's the the deal, guys. We can't miss him. Can't miss him. Because as the Father loves him, Jesus, he's loving us, and we're just called to love each other that way. So if if, if if we've excluded Jesus from the equation, we're lost. We're just into legalism and works all over again. Trying to be good, moral, ethical Christians. If we miss Jesus, we miss the whole deal. The New Covenant is about Jesus and following Him. And obedience flows. Jesus says, if you love me, what? Obedience flows out of what? Relationship. It's a relational thing. It's relational. And and, and my heart in this, you know, it can be kind of convicting because I bet many of you got these. If it's not from this church, other places, right? I've got a whole lot of these. In fact, I'm responsible for creating these. So I got I mean, I've got files full of sermons. And and it's like, what's the point of that, Pastor? You who study, you who get in front of people and talk every week, what's the point? If I'm missing Jesus, I'm just as bad off in sermons. And so this morning. When Jesus says to love one another as I have loved you, here's, here's, here's the heart of it. It's relational. It flows out of relationship. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Scott, just love your brothers and sisters in Christ that way. Woe. Well, what do you mean, Jesus? Does that mean I have to call them every... Does that mean I have to give them a ride? Jesus, what do you mean by that? Scott, love them as I love you. Oh, you mean I'm just supposed to be, be available and open and, and as the needs arise and as you put on my heart, I'm just supposed to give myself to them. Yeah. I can do that. I can love them. You mean it's not a laundry list? No. It's availability to love self-sacrificially. Amen? That's the joy of it. That's the joy of biblical fellowship is being available for the needs that may or may not arise, but your heart is so connected with one another that you're there if the need arises. See how radically different that is? Because you're coming from a relational. Betty, I love you. If anything comes up, So, so you know I love you, and you know I'm there. See, here's here's the heart of fellowship. She knows I love her. She knows I'm there, and she'll call. That's when you know there's relationship, and not program. You see the difference? Because it's flowing out of genuine agape love. It's flowing out of love, right? Turn to Matthew 11. And we're going to sing a song. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Scott and Susan, you come up. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus says this in Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You see, if you view the Bible as precepts and principles and to-dos, right? Jesus says, come to me. The law says, hey, go do and do. do. Just go and do. And do and do and do and do. And the law lays on this burden. And all these heavy things that we're supposed to... And what does Jesus say? Look, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened. Anyone? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is he saying? Hey, it's relationship. As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Take that yoke of love. Take my yoke of love. I'll teach you. Betty. Let Jesus love you. And He's going to show you how to love others. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, you're just going to become a lover of others. And not burdened by all the heaviness of principles and precepts and to-dos. And Pastor Rich going to be mad if I don't sign up for agape meals. Right? In the church, we just twist it. In the church, the way we do church in America is it's all about sign up for this, do that. Because, come on, everyone! The, the more busy we are, somehow the more successful we are. No, 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 no. Come to me, Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. And what does he want you to learn from him? Love. As the Father loves me, so I love you. Love one another that way. So take off all that all that stuff of doing this. And this morning maybe you just say, Lord. Okay. Okay. I'm going to simplify it all. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you for loving me. They're going to sing a song called How Deep the Father's Love. And I love this because, because for some of us, this idea that as the Father loves me, I love you. by prayer and, and as they sing this and as we sing it. Would you let God love you? Would you receive God's love for you? And see what that does. As you simply are saying, Okay, I don't fully understand that. But Jesus, you said you love me the same way the Father loves you. All these years I felt unlovable. All these years I felt I had to prove myself, even in the church. All these these years I felt less than. All these years I compared myself to certain people in the church. Jesus, this morning, I'm going to come to you. And I'm going to let you love me the way that your Father loves you. We're going to take uh, communion once again, but we're going to do it in a way that uh, we used to do it way back when we were on Saturdays. And, and uh, Tyler's going to bring the trays here. We're going to give you a chance if you so desire to, to come forward down the center aisle, take your cups and, and go back around to your seats. You're like, well, why are, why are we doing that? Because there's something uh, in, in, in my mind much different than, than having cups come at you and then you passively receiving them. We want to give you an opportunity to come forward as an affirmation of your faith in Christ because the cups represent His blood and His body. So when you come forward to take the cups, you're affirming to this community and to the world, I'm a follower of Jesus. But even today, I want to just in that personal moment of you coming forward to just have a time of reflection on God's love for you. Man, you just complicate it so much. And, 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 and Bible study, at its core, guys, the study of Scripture, absolutely vital, absolutely essential. You need to do it because it enhances your love for God. you got to ask yourself every time you study Scripture, how is this enhancing my love for God and love for others? got to be able to answer that question or else it just becomes academic and we miss them. And the same thing with communion. Sometimes it, it can become ritualistic in tradition. And so this morning we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give you an opportunity. If you desire to come forward. They're going to play a song. It's no rush. You can come forward and in, in this moment my heart is, is as my Father loved me I love you. Love one another. And communion brings us to that very specific example of love, self-sacrificial love. And in coming forward, maybe just in that brief moment, your heart will be touched and, and opened with God's love for you.